0: Elliot Abrams, the Trump administration's special envoy to Venezuela, is coming under fire by a group of both genocide survivors as well as family members of victims in World War II's Holocaust and genocides in Latin America during the 19th century. Now, this has a lot to do with where I'm standing right now. I'm at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum, and this group is demanding that Abrams be removed from the museum's Committee on Conscience, of which Abrams has been a member since 2009. In a letter to the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Council, they claim that Abrams is a quote proven supporter of some of the world's most nefarious perpetrators of genocide and mass murderers for nearly 40 years. The family members also invoked his role in U.S. policy promoted by the Reagan administration in Guatemala, which was even defined as a genocide by a Guatemalan court last year. U.S. backed death squads killed 200,000 people in Guatemala alone. Yet when he was Was asked to answer for his role in this massacre on Charlie Rose, he simply laughed. And some say he even pioneered the strategy of using aid as a Trojan horse delivering weapons to U.S. backed forces, referring, of course, to his overseeing the smuggling of weapons through Iran to Nicaraguan right wing rebels. And Abrams even heralded the decision to supply Nicaraguan forces as a quote, big change in the right direction. He said that violence would increase because. Because the purpose of our aid is to permit people who are fighting on our side to use more violence. Reporting from the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., Michelle Greenstein, RT.
1: Well,
2: hello. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Legend III. Jack Allison. Yes, Jack is back. Yeah. Um, after his, you know, suspension, um, after his controversial comments about, (laughs) you know, some of the bravest people on Earth. Right. Some of the most bravest, strongest, (laughs) coolest. Yeah. Sexiest, best-looking people on Earth. Showrunners. Showrunners. Yeah, they're very, very cool showrunners. Yeah, we didn't make a statement publicly because we didn't want to shame jack but Uh, he, um, you know we got to come clean the reason he wasn't on the last two episodes is because he was suspended for uh, those comments and is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners now Uh,
1: I'm not only sorry to the showrunners but I'm sorry to you know if I put the listeners in any kind of awkward position with my comments about the showrunners um, I'm going to have respect for them from now on so uh, you don't have to worry about it anymore folks (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> All right, um, and and thank you for that Just very yep. brave of you to You know, to admit that you were Just wrong Just kind
1: of address it head on, you know
2: Yeah, admit you were wrong for saying that You know, showrunners were Thin-skinned bullies mm-hmm. Who will fire anybody who criticized them <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, and of then course they did to me. Yeah, Which they did to you You know, threatened me, anyway They threatened to, like, not hire you And tried to publicly blackball you
1: sure. Which, you know, if you're Which in, is what like, I was saying they were going to do But I still do um that's a hard job to have and it's hard to make TV shows so I I do with respect say that I'm sorry to, well, to all the it, showrunners it,
2: Well TV shows may be a misnomer because a lot of the showrunners
1: I've at you are not actually on TV networks TV show culturally <laughs> also a lot of the people the showrunners I mean are not current showrunners so they're more like showrunners culturally like one time showrunners so you know anyway I I, I apologize web series so I apologize to all showrunners both cultural or otherwise uh and i'm, I'm glad to be back on the show
2: all right great and today we have a wonderful guest um one of the best writers online right now but oh, i feel a lot of people sleep on them uh, i feel a lot of people sleep on his great on splinter which mm. is a fantastic fantastic great, yeah website but people don't get mad at splinter as much so people talk about it less
1: it's kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> it's like you need to make yeah why p- isn't anyone getting mad at
3: splinter yeah
2: it's because my they, they only make good posts that's I no. <laughs> talk about and of course we have uh Paul blessed on the show
3: thanks for having me
2: and Paul I want to bring you on because I you've ma- you made several posts kind of nailing down this genre that of uh, kind of loose genre you've run written about la Abrams, Erie Fleischer um and basically the thread line through those people um is that they're horrible piece of shit war criminals mm-hmm. who are just, like, still around yeah, yeah. and didn't go
3: anywhere. Had a, had a
1: nice, healthy career as a war criminal <laughs> and now just sort of live in retirement or still take work as a war criminal occasionally.
3: Yeah, they – uh there's – I mean, there's no two better examples of uh the fact that there's no accountability in American political life than – Uh, Elliot Abrams and Ari Fleischer still, you know, Mm -hmm. getting to uh, work in politics, uh, fire off tweets, uh, not from a cell in the Hague. So, yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And and so, um, I think most people... Most people know who Eric Fleischer is, but Elliot Abrams kind of fall off the radar, at least for our, our, the millennial listener, you know, didn't really know who Elliot Abrams was until he came back. I believe it was, uh, Chapo. And you know, those guys have deep knowledge of history. They made a joke that Trump was going to bring back Elliot right. Abrams to like liaise with Venezuela because it was just so absurd. Because yeah. this, uh, tell us about uh, la abrams uh history briefly if you can just to show how absurd it is that we're like he's not in yeah so
3: elliot abrams uh kind of he started out as a democrat which uh which should tell you something um he Mm -hmm. uh was you know this sort of mainstream democrat in the in the 60s and 70s and then just became a hardline anti-communist and you know the home for hardline anti communists was the reagan administration uh when reagan got elected so um, when he, uh, became, he started working for the state department, um, you know, he was a major player in all the, the great hits of the eighties, uh, the, the Reagan administration, uh, you know, Guatemala, El Salvador, uh, Nicaragua, wow. um, you know, wow, so he's, hits, he's yeah. a bona fide war criminal. Um, you know, he enabled war mm-hmm. crimes, uh, you know, from our end, um, he was involved in the. Iran-Contra scandal, uh, got caught up in that. Um, and then sort of, you know, after, uh, all that, uh, he went so, just under the radar in the DC foreign policy establishment, um, which, you know, when he came back, uh, as special envoy and there was that house hearing, I guess it was last month at this point. Um, you know, Elon Omar, uh, called him out for, you know, his, you know, lying to Congress his his war crimes in the past. Um,
2: and let's be clear, this was, you know, she did, you know, invoke some anti-Semitic tropes um, to criticize um, our our war, our noble war criminal. Yeah, that was one of yeah. the big arguments yeah, that but,
3: uh, I think the Washington Examiner made that argument that you know he was a he was a, a hero basically, and that yeah, that was just one more example of her anti-Semitism uh, was criticizing <laughs> Elliot Abrams. Um, yeah, I mean. he...
1: When can, can can she be stopped at this point? She's just like so ruthlessly anti-Semitic all the yeah, time.
3: It's, uh, uh yeah. I mean, that's another that's another story for another time because she. I mean, she, <laughs> I mean, you know, jugging aside the fact that six or seven Democrats at this point have pledged to skip APAC. Sure. Uh, you know, in, in the, when considering yeah. even two, you know, two months ago. You know, APAC was riding high. I was I was watching Kamala Harris's speech from APAC yeah. in 2017 today because she was one of the ones that said that she, you know, wasn't going go to go to the conference this year. Oh, yeah. isn't that nice? I mean, it's just yeah. it, it's <laughs> um, it's a complete 180 for her, and I mean, it, it sort of shows that you know the the absence, the complete absence of anybody saying this stuff about the pro-Israel lobby, you know, over the past couple of right. years in in American politics has you know, allowed it to thrive. And now that there's at least one person who's willing to say something, I mean, it it sort of shifts the debate. Um,
2: Yeah. It's kind of amazing that she caught so much shit. For that and almost no one stood up for her basically besides, you know, Sanders. And now all of a sudden now all the Democratic race, all the big names are like doing what she would do. Well, I I think it's
1: because I think it's because actually like the reaction to shiving her, like I think this was perplexing to them, but the reaction to shiving her was like so uniformly like fuck that that they're all like, okay, well, we won't be going to APAC then. How about that?
3: Yeah, it's it's wild. But I mean, yeah. So when Omar took down Elliot Abrams, you know, sort of, you know, I had been wondering, you know, since, you know, I was in college and and stuff, you know, reading about Elliot Abrams and, you know, what he had done and and what the Reagan administration had done in Latin America, you know, it it was always in the back of my mind. Like, where is this guy now? And uh, we (laughs) found out exactly where he was, because all the worst people in the foreign policy establishment in (laughs) D.C., like spoke up and raised their hands at one time and were like, Hey, I used to work for this guy and he's really nice. <laughs> and I mean, like they're like, <laughs> he's, you know, what? the center for American progress people. I mean, it like really spans yeah. the, the political spectrum. If like spanning the political, political spectrum to you is like, you know, center left to, you know, the far right. I mean, you know, everybody came out of the word work to defend this guy. And it's just like, damn like do you know you know what he's done I mean you just you don't care I mean,
2: <laughs> so I, I do want to back up because you, you said it was the worst people so it, I don't think that's necessarily true I think it's like it, what, what makes it so Elliot Abrams so disturbing is that like it is the entire spectrum right. of yeah. like our politics that have embraced him over yeah. these past years specifically like Kelly um, uh, Maximin uh, who wor- works yeah. for for American Broadcasting which if anybody doesn't know is like the preeminent progressive uh think tank in the united states these are the people who get paid millions and millions of dollars to come up with the policies for like the leftmost, like well listen faction of you know of politics that actually has any kind of power and like she's personal friends with him and was like defending him because like she knows him she worked with him this is a war criminal this This is is a real villain
1: it's really similar to the the issue that i was getting into with the showrunners out here in la so you know hollywood is very similar to dc in a lot of ways and it's like you know you never want to insult someone's work because you never know when you're going to end up working with them you know what i mean so you shouldn't go (laughs) online and say that a movie (laughs) is bad and you certainly shouldn't ever say that there was any foreign policy events that ever happened in america because you know you might end up working with the people that did those uh uh, (laughs) war crimes
3: yeah that's why i I refrain from saying anything about bad about jonathan chate um all of my bad tweets to Jonathan Chaber. Yeah. Me getting hacked. So
1: yeah, yeah. That just that's another annoying thing is how much hacking happens all the time. How constantly yeah. I'm hacked <laughs> and made the same things. Yeah, who knows? But
2: there was a ton, there were you as you know in the in your article um, titled "Sorry, Sorry, Your Friend Is a War Criminal." <laughs> like there was a, like a bunch of people from DC and and what really just bothers me is like they they none of them dispute what he has actually done in the past. They right. don't like address it at all. They just say he's nice. Wow, while wow, these left wingers don't know that he is the person that's most committed to human rights. He is the person who cares so much. He's dedicated his career after he like had those nuns raped and murdered yeah. to <laughs> fighting for um, right. human rights. And I'm sure on some in their little world, in their little brains, they're like, he does go to all those dinner parties. Yep. He does work in those offices that are
1: ostensibly about human rights, but wait, actually wait. don't really do anything. If all the dinners that they went to that he was also at are meaningless and don't actually mean anything then it was meaningless for them to attend those dinners too and that can't be the case center for american progress like that that, that's what really gets me like these are supposed to be our people this is
2: the ones that we have all the money and all the power and supposed Mm -hmm. to be pushing you know the most progressive agenda that's possible and you have a high uh now, I forget her official title. I can't look it up because she blocked me. Because <laughs> I said that she should, because act- I told her she should resign from. She should be forced to resign from. Yeah, she's like a vice program. president. She's for- pretty far
3: up there.
1: Yeah, she's VP of Cap Security. Yeah, of Cap Security, whatever that is. (laughs) For standing up for a
2: war criminal who was like convicted and and should have been put in jail for this stuff. Like, this is not just a war criminal because we're saying it. Like, he literally was like arrested, indicted, and found guilty of crimes. Yeah,
3: yeah, he. I guess it was Bush that pardoned him, but yeah, he was, he was convicted of lying to Congress uh, about these things. And that was one of the points that Omar raised. I mean, you know, why should we trust anything that you're saying right now? Because you have been convicted of lying to Congress before. I mean, like, you know, what, what level? And I mean, it, it just goes back to the fact that, I mean, the Trump administration can do basically whatever they want. And like, it almost seemed like an own the libs decision for, for Trump to make him, Envoy. I mean, yeah. And, you know, it's also weird that all these Iran Contra people are coming, you know, like Oliver North is now the president of the NRA. I mean, it's just like, I mean, the Republican establishment just sort of one day decided that, that they want to bring all the Iran Contra people back. I mean, I don't know. It's wild. It's a reboot. Yeah, time for
1: a reboot.
2: But apparently, it's everybody fine bad. because all this time they've been working at you know Think Tanks with you know Democrats as well. Like apparently, yeah, that's right. what's been happening. So there's no real pushback or criticism, um, because because, of, because he's nice. Yeah, he's a nice guy.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it. It was it was sort of mind blowing for me, you know, seeing that. Uh, but I mean, it also makes sense because. I mean, the Center for American Progress, I think it's they're working with the American Enterprise Institute on this, like,
2: yes, yeah, yeah this, yeah, like, yeah.
3: democracy inif- initiative. And I, I saw, you know, Neera Tandon, who's the president of the Center for American Progress, is defending it. Um, and it was just like, you know, you know, AEI doesn't care about democracy at all, right? Like, this is, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, you're getting played here. I mean, you're giving legit- legitimacy to this organization. I mean, if you want to fight for. Re-
1: and
2: money and, and money and money yeah. they give them money. Yeah, like
3: something like two million dollars i mean money that could definitely be spent better spent elsewhere but
1: yeah i'm not sure if they're getting played or if Neera tanden is just a conservative yeah. so it's really kind of hard to like really kind of hard to figure out uh what's going on over there but
2: but the sad thing is like it doesn't matter because this is our think tank like it's right it's like Neera tanden and then like matt and like matt brunick's well, brunick has got a
1: patreon so <laughs> yeah. that's pretty good too <laughs> oh, geez. Right. Um,
2: so I guess we can move on to um the next asshole on the sure. docket. And that, of course, is Eric Fleischer, who, mm. you know, th- uh, this week was the, I an- believe, uh, 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 16th anniversary yeah. Yeah. of the beginning of the Iraq war. The Iraq war can
1: drive now. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> A war started by uh, George W. Bush and his administration based on lies. Uh, about how Saddam did 9-11, basically. That's kind of how it was sold to the public. Yeah, And everyone, even current President Trump, acknowledges that it was a mistake.
1: Right. He basically ran on that Bush lied about (laughs) Iraq. (laughs) That was like in the Republican debates. He was like, of course, Bush lied about Iraq. And everyone's like, yay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, seemingly everyone has accepted this. And then Eric Fleischer um, one of the many egg-looking men <laughs> in D.C. Who? What was he? Uh, pre, uh, what was he yeah, press he was secretary, White House press secretary.
3: Right? He was Bush's first press, uh, there, se- uh, press secretary.
2: And, you know, the mouthpiece for all these lies. He got on Twitter and did a thread about, you know and he wasn't doing this from jail he wasn't doing this from the Hague no. he was he just got on twitter from his brownstone and uh did a thread about how actually bush didn't lie at all <laughs> about uh, he's got arrest. a new
1: theory this is like almost like that uh, uh how they're like doing another serial documentary <laughs> on hbo it's like he's got like a new theory he's bringing to it like his new theory is that saddam was tricking us. Yeah. Was tricking us into <laughs> so,
2: invading Iraq. Yeah, I believe his quote was, the <laughs> Dom <dumb> gaslit George B. <laughs> C- Bush into
0: <laughs> invading Iraq.
3: Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, yeah, so Ari Fleischer did this insane thread uh, the other night. Uh, I-, I guess it was on- actually on the 16th anniversary, like around the time that the bombs were, you know, mm. going off in, in Baghdad, um, where he basically just like blamed all of it on the intelligence community and, you know, Completely left out the fact that the Bush administration was manipulating the intelligence uh, that the intelligence community was giving them right. uh, the entire time, and you know downplayed his role in it. And it's it's really just revisionism, which is you know not very uncommon on the right these days. I mean, you have um, you know Max Bood, who was you know one of the biggest Iraq War cheerleaders, had a column the other day basically saying everybody was wrong. Um, you know, criticizing people like Glenn Greenwald and Tucker Carlson who say you know we got it right, but. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't everybody got it wrong. I mean, like, you know, yes. somebody from The Nation posted uh, a picture of The Nation's cover that the week that we went to war, and it was just like, this is the final case against the war. I mean, <laughs> you know, all the crazy lefties in 2002 and 2003 were right. the ones who turned out to be right, and they just can't admit it. So, yeah, Ari Fleischer is uh, still, still kicking.
2: It, you, you know, like, I actually, you know, we... When Obama, you know, refused to, you know, when he said, we're going to look forwards and not backwards, you know, we're not going to prosecute anybody right. for sure. lying us into war. That was like one of the first things that made me know, like that dude wasn't about shit. Right. right. Like, that was one of the first <laughs> things that I saw that was like, okay, so we spent the past, you know, six years being hyped up about how George W. Bush uh, lied us into war, how right. terrible this is. Like, Oh, I, I remember watch, reading all these books, watching all these documentaries. Like, I've lost that knowledge now about, like, but back then, I could have spoiled you off all the names. I could have talked about bathification <laughs> all that shit. I could have, like, off the dome, I could have come with all the lies that, you know, George W. Bush told and his administration told to lead us to this disastrous war where possibly a million people died for no reason whatsoever and like all that has been lost like that's just not in the air anymore like uh, the most we have now is just that our iraq war was a bad thing and we shouldn't have done it We the best you can
1: actually hope for is not is people just not being like george w bush was actually good he yeah. was actually good. Yeah.
2: No. No. no, oh, I saw something new today um, from my boy Matty Iglesias. Oh boy. He said, uh, you know, besides the war, he it's funny because he listed like six things that were bad that George W. Bush did besides the wars. He said, besides all that, he was actually a pretty good president. <laughs> so we're, what we're going to have right. now is that yes, the Iraq War was bad, but, but. George W. Bush
1: is actually good. Yeah, but he's fun. He's fun to have a beer with.
3: Yeah, they, I mean, Bush is sort of, I mean, I, there was a poll somewhat recently, I think it was like three or more, four months ago, that said that most Democratic voters actually have a good opinion of Bush now. Yeah. And I mean, it, like, you know, they're comparing him to Trump, but like really nothing. I mean, okay, some things that Trump has done have been worse than Bush. I mean, throwing kids right. in cages, uh, yeah. you know, even though he took a page out of Obama's book for that. Um, sure. You know,
1: the body count was still higher during George W Bush though currently. currently. Yeah, yeah,
3: currently. I mean, you never know when Trump's going to start a war over like, sure. you know, a tweet or something like that. But like, you know, he hasn't yet. Bush had <laughs> was had two wars under his belt at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's Yeah, I mean, the the Bush nostalgia is is one of the most bewildering things to me and it really just it's one of the most depressing things too. I mean, it just doesn't like it doesn't really compute for me because you know in my mind this guy like Ari Fleischer should be in prison and instead he's like painting dogs and you know <laughs> has this uh you know sort of air of an elder statesman about him uh you yeah. know it just doesn't
1: definitely it doesn't make sense six like this figures is- consulting.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, he's he's giving speeches the other day. He did a naturalization ceremony, which to me sort of seemed like another reminder that, like, I'm not as bad as this guy is on immigration, at least. But, like, (laughs) I mean, you know, he just. Yeah, I mean, he he really he really got off easy because of because of Trump.
2: Yeah, which really, like, pisses me off because, like. Like, like, think about it. Like, if Trump wanted to start a war, if Trump really wants to be president for a second term, all he has to do is start a war. He will get positive coverage from now until the election.
3: It's the Canadian bacon theory of politics.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And and like, I I don't think anybody can really deny that if we get into a war between an election, that Trump is going to benefit massively from it. And it's because we never really even interrogated like how well, how much, how nice we were about George W. Bush until like after he was reelected because he started a war.
3: Right? Yeah. I mean, at at this point, I I think that, I I don't think that the Trump administration can effectively make a case for any war, but I think that when it comes to Venezuela, at least, like, you know, so many Democrats and and Republicans are automatically on board on at least trying to push for regime change in the way that, like, you know, Honduras had regime change and Libya had regime change. Um, You know, like a full-fledged war at this point, I, I don't think that he has the support for that. I mean, I don't even know who that would be against. I mean, if we went to war against Iran, we would get our asses absolutely handed to us. Um, I mean, he's just like...
2: But as we've seen, like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. That's that's fine, actually. Right. We didn't, like, win the Iraq war. Definitely not, no.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's... I I wouldn't be surprised... I definitely wouldn't be surprised if he tries it. I mean, he... uh, You know, the North Korean talks, like, immediately ending in a weird way. Uh, You know, I don't think that he's going to try to, like... I I I honestly don't, don't even know what's going to happen with that, but I mean he's yeah he's he's definitely going to have to do that you know strongman thing over the next couple of years if he wants to re- win re-election, but you know how far he goes with that I guess we'll see.
2: Well, um, I do want to say there is a um, he, he so this week Trump hasn't really done the strongman thing, but he's done something I really do like, and that's his <laughs> um, petty bitch
1: <laughs> <Sure>. appeal.
2: <laughs> The shit he's talking about another, you know, asshole war criminal, yeah. John McCain, <laughs> is top tier.
1: Yeah. Top notch. People you have, have to s- hand it to him. I mean, you have to, you know, you have to hand hand it to him uh, when he's right. You really do. You really do.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, do did did either of you guys watch that uh, thing that he did? In, it was the speech he gave in front of the tank factory workers in yes. Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> So it was bad. one of the wildest things I've ever seen in my life. Like I, I was, I was watching it for work, um, because you know one of the writers that I edit at, uh, at Splinter was was writing about it, and I was just, I, you know, he he just like seamless transition. You know, they told me not to talk about this, but. You guys want to hear me talk shit about this dead guy, right? Like, yeah, like, and then just, yeah, like five minute extended riff on John McCain and how he didn't get a thank you from John McCain for approving yeah. his funeral. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, uh, all of these different uh, grievances that he's had, you know, the FBI dossier thing, you know, McCain voting against Obamacare, just like yeah. every time that McCain wronged him in his entire life he just like yeah. put it all out there and then just he, like went back to you know like just seamless transition into unemployment numbers by race like, African <laughs> like, american unemployment down hispanic unemployment down it's just he just i mean he has no like when he goes off script everybody can tell i mean like right. he had no speech prepared whatsoever he was just like i'm gonna go in here and do this
2: And it's it was so funny and so good and so brilliant because everything he's – like, I don't understand why – well, I guess I do, like, the impulse of, like, mainstream Democrats to get offended on John McCain's behalf (laughs) because – at that crowd, you had a bunch of Republicans hooting and hollering about Trump talking shit about John McCain. <laughs> they fucking loved it. Everybody yeah. loves a good heel professional wrestling promo. And that's what he cut. He could cut that promo on anybody. He could talk shit about Mother Teresa and people <laughs> would probably hoot and holler in the audience. At least, at least sure. when you're there, you're going to be excited about yeah. it. So I, I, I don't under, like, I, I, Unfortunately, I I I vis I well, I stopped to see my mom and that was very nice, but she watches a lot of CNN and I got to see the whole oh, day they of have, coverage.
1: for wow, the geez. last 72 hours, it's been just wall to wall being offended on behalf of the ghost of John McCain.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jake, I mean, that that was even one of the things before McCain even died. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, but when they uh They named the military authorization uh, bill after John McCain. Like it was like the military appropriations, John S. McCain, the third uh, military appropriations act of 2018 or 2019 or whatever. And then Trump signed it, but didn't say John McCain's name when he was signing it. Uh, and this is like, you know, a couple of weeks before he died and Jake Tapper lost it like <laughs> and it, like almost had a meltdown on air that Trump did not say John McCain's name when he was signing the money for war's bill. <laughs> it was it was unbelievable.
1: That's the shit that matters most to Jake Tapper. That's the that's the thing yeah. that really
3: animates him.
2: And we we said this when, you know, John McCain died, that the reason they all like him in the media class is because, like, he was nice to them and he would answer their calls and show up for their bullshit. The reason why
1: they like John McCain is is like the same reason why they don't like Trump, which is like Trump was mean to them specifically, uh, just like John McCain was nice to them individually and specifically like Jake Tapper loves him because of the time he spent with him on his wonderful bus.
2: And it's the same reason why all those people came out of the woodwork to defend Elliot Abrams even in the context of he right. being called out for being a war criminal in Congress. You, right. Any person with like any semblance of like shame or a soul wouldn't like not like stick their neck out there to defend someone who has that much shit
1: on them for me I would just be like oh shit like you just don't have to say something you can be like oh man I still like Elliot Abrams because of that time I went to brunch with him Mm -hmm. but you don't have to get out there and like put your whole put your like name on it or whatever it's fucking bizarre and it just it
2: just makes me feel like all these people just live in an alternate fucking reality, an alternate universe where anyone other than the McCain family gives a shit about John McCain or his <laughs> memory or his legacy, because real people don't. An alternate universe where you can be a fucking war criminal for decades and then spend, you know, five years doing like the think tank circuit and doing consultation and going to dinners and parties at ngos and all of a sudden you're a humanitarian like did all these all this alternate world of dc that unfortunately runs our entire world yeah
3: yeah i mean <laughs> like i i don't know if you you saw the but like most of the the senators that, uh, like Bernie Sanders, put out a statement, or you know, at least a tweet that was like, you know, Trump needs to stop making fun of, <laughs> of John McCain and for yeah. wrong. Yeah, Yeah. like it was, it's, it's one of those, I mean, it's like, it's like, we have a joke uh, when we talk about this, that they have Senate brain. I mean, like, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's like this disease that people in the Senate, especially, I mean, you know, everybody in Congress, but especially the Senate, for some reason, has where like decorum is like the primary concern, Uh, like, you know, how nice people are to each other is the primary concern of everybody in the Senate. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, it's like, you know, when people talk about getting rid of the filibuster, just like, you know, well, that just wouldn't that would make the Senate the House. And it was just like, well, you know, (laughs) why not? I mean, why can't we just have the House? Why why do we have to have this like, you know, extremely anti-democratic body that's, you know, can kill any sort of progressive legislation, you know, basically at the drop of a finger? I mean, it's just like, yeah, I mean. I don't know if you also saw the the McCain Institute thing today. Uh, like they, so he has this uh, this foundation that he started before he died, um, and I didn't even I completely forgot that it existed. But apparently they put out this fact sheet today. And it was basically just like a press release responding to all the Trump attacks <laughs> on oh like, behalf god. of the dead guy. And like <gasps> even like one of them was actually actually said John McCain was the original drain the swamp senator. Which, oh my god! Yeah, and it was. It, it, like, even in death, you're letting Trump beat John McCain. Right. Like, <laughs> like, you're using his framing for all of these things. I mean, like, you know, John McCain is definitely not the original Drain the Swamp Senator. Like, his career almost ended because of the Keating 5 scandal, <laughs> like, it, back in the 80s and early 90s. I mean, he became a campaign finance reform person after that. But, I mean, it's, it, it's truly wild, like, how thoroughly the Republicans let <laughs> Trump beat them into the submission. And even. Uh, McCain's own institute after his death <laughs> is still letting this happen. Uh,
2: pathetic. I, I have to say, you know, Trump is a fascist piece of shit, racist, some folk, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But goddamn, if all if we could just get him to like, if we told him that from now on your job as president is just to talk shit about John McCain <laughs> and anybody else right. who's ever personally offended you, I think we'd be okay. For- yeah. <laughs> All right. So moving on to someone who wants to be president, um, that you, um, wrote an article about Paul, um, a, a great title. Can Beto cut it out with the punk shit? Please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think because, uh, you, you know, you, you're a punk guy. I, I like punk. He, he played in the, and band with Cedric Bixler from Mars Volta. Like that's something that we um have some affection for for Beto. Like he might suck shit otherwise, but at least <laughs> that part is cool. But you kinda point out that there's a real problem with even like that aspect of Beto that I found really interesting.
3: Yeah. I mean, so I'll be honest, when Beto ran for Senate last year and I, you know, saw this part of his, his profile, like constantly mentioned in everything that was written about him, I, you know, I thought it was like, you know, kind of like a minor quirk that was like kind of cool, you know, concert you know, he listens to Fugazi and I listen to Fugazi and like, you know, maybe he's not, you know, maybe he's got some sort of like thing in the back of his brain, you know, that might've been, you know, withered away over his six years in Congress, but, you know, maybe he's. Not so bad after all. Um, and, you know, I, I think that his, his run for Senate was, you know, especially, you know, even for people like me on the left who, you know, his politics were never anything that I was like to write home about. But, you know, the fact that he was running in Texas against Ted Cruz, you know, this state that Democrats historically are sure. terrible in, um, you know, and he wasn't running a Joe Manchin campaign like he wasn't running, you know, a Republican like campaign. He was running a pretty mainstream Democratic campaign. It sort of gave me a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, would have been nice he, if he
1: if he uh, ran there again after all that progress he made. That would have been nice.
3: Yeah, it would have been great. I mean, he's got like John Cornyn C is up in 2020 uh who's, you know, not as loud of a piece of shit as Ted Cruz is, but he's pretty up there. Um mm-hmm. you know, it would have been it would have been good, but you know, instead he chose to run for president and like uh, like immediately like the punk sh- the punk shit basically went up to 11. Like it was just it's in everything now. It was in the Vanity Fair profile. He had like an extended riff on you know, how he's modeling his campaign out of, you know, after DIY and discord records and like all these oh, man. you know, and it's just like, but this is not, you are running for president. This is the most, the least punk thing I can think of in <laughs> yeah. my entire life. Like you, you think that you can control, like you are the best person to run this entire country of over 300 million people, uh, this <laughs> American empire. Um, and yeah, he's just, uh, it's just this thing that he's using. I mean, maybe to, you know maybe it's just that weird that like he just can't stop talking about it because he is a pretty weird guy, but it's
1: very weird, he's a really weird guy for sure,
3: yeah. But I mean, I think it's also like maybe a play for like younger people. I mean, you know, I'm sort of like you, I'm you know, young. I'm he's like what 45 years old. I mean, he's he, like compared to like Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and like everybody else up there, like yeah, he's like relatively young, but right, I mean, he's you know, I. I yeah, I, I, I think it's just sort of this fundamental, uh, you know, misunderstanding of why Bernie Sanders was so popular with young people is because he, you know, was pushing po- policies that help young people out, like right. Medicare for all and free college and, and, you know, debt forgiveness and stuff like that. And it's not just about, like, being able to skateboard. And that's what he's running <laughs> on. So, yeah, so- yeah he's uh, – yeah, it's – it's it got to a point where I saw another quote from him about Discord Records and I was – I. Texted my editor and I was like, I need to write about this. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It's like the Lady Gaga clip where she says uh, when she's talking about um, what's his face. Uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, it's like when Lady Guy was talking about Bradley Cooper, and like the first time she gives that line about, you know, there could be a hundred people in the room. Right. But if just one believes in you, that's all it takes. Like the first time you hear that line seems kind of sweet, seems kind of genuine. <laughs> but then you put the clips together where she says it at every single press tour. Yeah. It's like, just shut the fuck up. Like you're She's just weird. Like yeah. You're just weird. Um, And Beto is the same way. It's like two years ago when he's talking about how much he's like Fugazi. And DIY shit. That's cool. That's fine. We're learning about you. But in two. But now, three years <laughs> later, when you're running for president, when you've changed, when you've changed your ambition from you know running for this long shot at a senate seat, right? This long shot at a senate seat um a body with a hundred people in it where you're just going to try trying to you know change make a small change have some control have some small influence on the way the country is going to just saying like all right i want to be the most powerful person in the world now (laughs) like the fact that you're the what you talk about has not changed and your narrative hasn't changed is like a real problem and really weird and kind of suggests that like you're not taking this as seriously as you should be or oh, at yeah. least or at least like what you're putting out there is completely fucking phony which is not punk at all
3: yeah i mean that's like there was a campaign stop the other day where uh i can't remember what exactly it was but somebody asked him about something and he was just like stopped and like paused for a couple minutes and he was like but well, what do you think I should do?
2: <laughs>
3: and the guy, the guy was like taken aback by it. He was just like, "Well, I, I don't really know." And he was like, "Well, we'll talk about it." Um, yeah, I mean, he's he he's running this campaign. I mean, he's he's said stuff like this in multiple campaign stops where he like, you know, wants to listen to what people think and just sort of like form a campaign out of that. And it's like, well, you actually have to have like some sort of belief system, and like <laughs> nobody can tell what his belief system is. I mean, like you know, he's. Uh, you know, back when he started running for Senate, like there was that Facebook ad that I keep seeing, uh, but bo- like popping around Twitter, that he, you know, he said, you know, we need single payer health care. Medicare for all is the best way to do that. Um, you know, by the time the Senate election rolled around, he was not talking about Medicare for all anymore. Um, and now he's come out and said, you know, I don't actually think that Medicare for all is the best way to get there. But at the same time, he's saying that he likes the Green New Deal a lot and thinks that we should pass the Green New Deal well, Medicare for all is part of the Green New Deal. I mean, you know, it it just goes to show you that he, like, hasn't done his homework at all. I mean, like, you know, that's something that a lot of, like, Hillary Clinton supporters said in 2016, but Ben O'Rourke absolutely has not done any of the work necessary to, like, (laughs) understand what it means to be president. I mean, it's, like, this is, like, a a huge deal. And, like, he's sort of taking it as seriously as Trump took it. Um, You know, he's just sort of, like, whatever... You know, the, the last person in his here told him is right. He seems to be repeating that. Yeah,
1: it's fun to campaign. And and, and he's like, it's good. He, that, I, that's really what I took away from his Vanity Fair piece. Is the, the biggest thing is that headline, the like, I was born to be in it. I was born to run. I'm like, yeah. this guy's just having fun on the campaign. And like, you know, okay, go have a big party. <laughs> have a good time, Beto. Uh, like, just you <laughs> he's a Joel that. Osteen guy. Like,
0: uh,. uh
2: <laughs> Hearing you talk about it, it feels like this is just an extended rollout of season two of Pod Save America. (laughs) Like This campaign is just like a part of this. Like like he's going to start a podcast after. Because you just get to – like this was the big problem with Clinton and and big part of why she lost. She could not explain why she wanted to be president. And I don't think Beto has explained or could explain – Why he wants to be president? Because he's like doing this empty vessel shit. Like you tell me what you want. I want to listen to you. Like no, you're you're running for president. We know you're an egotistical narcissist. (laughs) Tell me, overlord, (laughs) what you will be doing to us. It's like by
1: default you're going to be an egotistical narcissist because you're running. So what beyond that? Like when Beto's like you tell me. He's he's basically just saying I only have the narcissism. I don't have the
3: policy (laughs) ideas. (laughs) Yeah, he's he just doesn't. I mean, it, 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 like, on one hand, it seems to me that, you know, for his political career, maybe running for president was better than running for uh, Texas Senate again and then sure getting, you know, getting beat again in 2020. I mean, that would probably be the end of his political career. But at the same time, you know, it's just a terrible decision for him to like. You know, go out there and just like, you know, start hopping up on counters, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like making everybody that works at a coffee shop in Iowa clean the counters again after he's been in. So strange. Um,
2: Jack, <laughs> like, I know on I know on Jack AM, you've done some investigative
1: work on the counter thing. Like, what is going on? with I, I have you've no tried idea. it yourself. I, I tried it myself. It's hard to do. It's hard to do the crouch down and like talk to people. I really think it's like a like a. Like a mega church thing. Like it's a like, mega church way of talking to people. Uh, I don't know. It's it's just bizarre. It's truly strange. Really weird guy.
3: <laughs> yeah, I saw a, a Photoshop picture of him, like like one of the pictures of him like crouching on the counter. Like he's standing on it, but crouching down. Yeah. But he's on top of McCain's grave and Megan McCain is crying <laughs> in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I fucking like lost it when I saw uh, that. The captain <laughs> had to do it to him. That's really funny.
2: <laughs> So uh Paul, where can people find you?
3: Uh yeah, so uh, I'm you can find the stuff that I write at Splinternews.com. Um and then I'm on Twitter at P P E B L E S T. All right,
2: cool, cool. You but what where are you working on next? Who are you dragging next, King? <laughs>
3: <laughs> um Yeah, so I, I wrote this thing recent uh, that went up this week uh about the Congressional Progressive Caucus, which is sort of the You know, uh, Bernie Sanders helped found it. Maxine Waters helped found it back in 1991. And it's sort of the most left-wing coalition in Congress. Uh, So that just – I just put that – or we published that earlier this week. But, you know, I talked to Barbara Lee and a bunch of other members of Congress about it and, you know, how they plan to get, uh, you know, things like Medicare for All and the Green New Deal enacted considering, you know, half of the caucus is also made up of New Democrats uh, and, you know, self-described moderate. So yeah, that's something that, that I did recently. And right now I'm just, uh, looking through old, uh, Joe Biden clips oh, <laughs> of,
1: cool. uh, yeah,
3: look, I, I'm from Delaware originally. Um, I actually went to the same elementary school as Joe Biden. Oh. Um, and like, you know, we went to the same college and like, you know, everybody that I, that I grew up around, like loves Joe Biden. Um, you know, but you know, I, I have had this membership to this, uh, or subscription to this thing called newspapers.com so i've just been looking at my old local paper like from like 1970 and 1980 to see like what joe biden's been saying so <laughs> hopefully i'll have something on that pretty soon
2: i, I think you it's pretty likely you're gonna uh, yeah i can't imagine it. you'll have to look too hard
3: yeah i've I've already found some things
2: so <laughs> yeah <laughs> well all right yeah, and Thank thanks for so joining much. us
3: yeah thanks a lot for having me
2: all right peace everyone